The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and we're happy that you've joined us today. Today, we have another great resource joining us in Don. Don Don Zhu, and she is a corporate headhunter turned career expert, and she coaches people at all career levels, and she is going to share some of her interesting career lessons from thousands of candidates and companies that she's worked with, and Don Don, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us, Marie. Yes, so today we're talking about how automation and outsourcing is really revolutionizing the workforce. And this isn't anything new necessarily, but people are still coming to grips with it and still trying to figure out how to navigate the landscape of their career with all of these changes that are going on. So how would you describe outsourcing and automation? Yes, absolutely. You're right, Marie, in that this is not a new concept that certainly has been occurring for, I would say, over a decade at, at least, and in many different ways. How I would describe outsourcing, it is when a company, individual, organization, or any entity, really, decides to hire another company, individual, organization, or entity to complete a specific task, job, or project, and usually they pay money for a certain task to be completed, and they arrange a contract that satisfies both parties, both the company that they're outsourcing to and the company who ultimately carries out the outsourced task. So that's how I describe outsourcing. Related to that, automation is also compounding the differences and the effects of outsourcing because they're highly interlinked. And automation, how I would define it, basically incorporates the tasks, jobs, and projects that are being impacted by the rapid advances in technology at different levels of substitution or improvement upon previously more manually completed tasks. So examples of automation could be something like LegalZoom producing documents that are now replacing something that you would go to a local lawyer for. That's just an example. Right, and these cannot, they're just not necessarily, especially outsourcing things People think of that as, you know, jobs going overseas, but outsourcing really is bigger than that, right? It's it's lots of different businesses outsourcing tasks to other perhaps small businesses or other large businesses, which maybe just makes it harder for people to figure out where they the job they want to do is actually getting done. Right. And I think outsourcing does get that rep, and it's quite a bad rep. 
outsourcing is equivalent with loss of jobs, depression in areas that are impacted by outsource. It's looked at from a very manual labor perspective, but in reality, in a lot of organizations, 400, 500 companies, outsourcing occurs in your daily white-collar jobs and also domestically. There's a big outsourcing domestic workforce. Yes, and for instance, one of the manufacturing companies here in in my hometown of Fort Collins, Colorado, where I'm coming to you from, it they hire out a lot of their CNC mill work and have for decades to other local shops. So it's it's outsourcing, but it's still local jobs. It's just the fact that that company is not doing that particular task of their manufacturing process. Right, and that's a great example because. That's not something where the media can really make a story out of. So you don't hear about that as a day-to-day, oh, this, not everybody knows that that occurs. Whereas, you know, the, the thought of jobs being stolen by an international workforce is much more incendiary and catches a lot more listeners and kind of riles people up. So therefore, you see a lot of it being politicized and used in a sort of way that's not really reflective of the reality of the nature of outsourcing. Right. And automation, similarly, um, you know, it happens within companies of all, of all locations and usually in manufacturing, but it can happen in other fields as your great example of the, the law field there with legal Zoom. And so when we talk about automation, that affects uh, many different career areas, right? It, it's far reaching, Absolutely. And that's where it also impacts outsourcing because traditionally we would have hired somebody in-house to do a certain task, whereas now you can outsource a lot of sort of bookkeeping tasks, accounting tasks specifically to some automated programs that can easily track it for you. Case in point would be, you know, tax season's coming up. We've got TurboTax going on. We have companies using things like QuickBooks into it. These are cheap options for individuals and corporations to use to do something where they would have had to hire someone in-house previously. Right, and we like to vilify that as well, but it just makes common sense. For instance, I was just trying to get my credit card charges into QuickBooks for my accounting, and my my bookkeeper said, you know, do you want us to manually enter these because the credit card system doesn't allow download into, into QuickBooks? And I went on the internet right away and started searching for a new credit card because it doesn't make sense <laughs> to be someone to do that manual labor, right, when there are credit card systems that will do it automatically. Exactly. So automation in your case, and certainly in many of our cases, it's a blessing more than a curse. For instance, if you have to go to the DMV, I would love to automate everything over there. I don't, I can't, if I lose my ID in New York, I can go online and automatically receive a replacement ID. I've lost two now. I think I'm hitting my maximum. So I can't keep losing IDs. But the point is when I need a replacement ID, it's very easy to obtain it quickly without wasting resources or my time or the city's time. Right. So automation and outsourcing, I guess whether we like them or not, they're here to stay and they're ever increasing because it makes financial sense. So how are those changing our status quo in the workforce? 
I think that's a really good question because everybody is always looking to react to change. And that's one strategy where it's certainly a strategy, but sometimes it's even better to look forward a couple years. What I see a lot with people who come to us for career coaching, and also since I've published a lot on Quora, I see a lot of people asking questions like, how do I put myself in a position where I can you know, do well no matter what kind of changes occur, whether that's outsourcing, whether that's automation? And the answer that I have is a little bit, different than what you normally hear. It's not go and get a technology degree. It's not go and study XYZ subject. Because my argument is that those changes are so far in advance that we can't possibly catch up to it where unless you've already been there, right? Like you're not going to create a new code that's going to rock the technology computer comp- uh, technology company industry if you haven't already, right? People who now are looking for those solutions going into careers like IT and some people going making a career shift into coding, I don't think that's necessarily the best strategy because you have to think of competition. That's ultimately what's going to also be there whether we like it or not such as automation outsourcing. So those type of reactive strategies may not pan out the way you expected it to because by the time you learn these new skills, other people have already, again, stepped above your head because they were already ahead. So my strategy and my advice for people is invest in your people skills because that's not going anywhere. That's really what a lot of career maneuvering, career creation is all about. It's about how to leverage systems leverage the people around us, whether they're above us, next to us, or below us, to help ourselves create more impact within any organization, which doesn't necessarily have to be technical in nature. Yeah, and we tend to get focused on certain solutions, right, that going and get a coding degree is going to save me, and, and getting too focused on specific solutions, one, they may not fit for your personality, they may not fit for your interests, they may not fit for, as you've said, your skill set, your experience. And so when you make that transition, it may or may not work out for you, and and doing some research before you do that is probably a good thing. Absolutely, and if you do choose to work within the IT field because you love IT, then there are other things that you can do outside of just obtaining an IT degree. And learning on the job is sometimes the best way to start learning. You know, so it's not necessarily get a degree first, then learn. Well, why don't you first go and check it out and start working there first to see what you can learn from a startup. There's so many startups day in and day out. Everybody's hiring. It's just a matter of what you're willing to do for a startup. You know, a lot of startups can't pay what existing companies can pay for. So that's an opportunity. So outsourcing and automation, changing the way that things work, changing the way that we work, changing how fast work is changing, right? They, all these <laughs> things are just speeding up that, that, the rapidness of change. Um, any other ways that they're changing the workforce, that they're changing our landscape of employment Absolutely. A very good way to describe this is what happened when I was headhunting for a number of technical roles. What would happen is a client would come to me with the need for a specific technical doer. So whether that's a regulatory document writer or a sort of compliance associate or senior associate or director, could be a CEO, could be a CMO, could be chief level staff. Basically, they always want someone who can come on in to do something full-time. That might be their initial 
uh, requirements. But what happens most, most often than not is when I go out to the market of, te- of candidates and start asking and looking around for the best people, oftentimes you'll see that a lot of successful career professionals have now gone the outsourcing contractor route. So that's a very easy way to kind of get your feet wet into how you can work in a different environment, a different strategy in which you have a little bit more flexibility. So these contractors would essentially do the same exact job, but on a project-to-project basis. And they would, ironically, make more money per hour because it is sort of a risk to do something short-term versus long-term. And for the company side of things, they don't have to pay for your benefits. So they can afford to pay you more, and they get a write-off on their taxes. So there's all sorts of really nitty-gritty tax stuff that a lot of people, we just, we hate taxes. Who likes taxes? It's the most boring thing in the world. But ironically, if you can figure out the tax system and also the sort of job technical system, you can find a way to do your existing exact job in a slightly different way. It could be as simple as walking up to your manager and going, I have benefits through my husband or I have benefits through XYZ and I want to now work and do the same exact job, but I want to do it on an hour-to-hour basis. Can you make that happen? And you can just negotiate a contract job like that. So it's very interesting that I was able to talk to so many people who live like this, and they take these massive vacations because, again, they're contractors. So when their project's up, they can go and have more flexibility. It works both for the client and the individual performing the task. Yes, and it's in growing numbers, right, that people are are choosing to work that way and that companies are wanting to hire people who work that way. Absolutely. And as small business continues to grow due to the decreased cost of starting up a business, you will see a bigger need for contractors. Another good example is when I work with venture capital clients. So I used to have clients who had a bank, had a a lot of money through existing businesses that they financed, and now they're in the process of setting up new companies, yet they're not willing yet to go forward 100% with someone on a full-time salary basis because they don't know you yet. I don't trust you. You know, you just talk to you a few days. I'm not going to give you a chief executive job right away. They might hire someone temp to perm. So this is a common model. Again, this sort of temp contracting model is becoming more and more popular, and it will only grow more and more popular as the tax structures, I'm sure, in the U.S. will continue to expand and to tax large corporations heavily. So if they can find the exact same caliber of talent and I can hire and fire at will and I don't have to pay benefits, for the business side of view, it makes total sense. And for the individual, for that freedom and for higher hourly wages, albeit I'll have to manage my own health plan and my own you know, individual SCP account, you, know, you won't get the 401k anymore, but if you can manage that, it still can be quite lucrative and freedom. You know, you get freedom that you don't have in a traditional nine to five. Yeah, and it's growing. So we are going to take a short break here, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Don Don and talking about outsourcing and automation and how they're going to impact your career. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Savvy business owners, learn how auspicious timing can have a positive influence on business decisions and strategies. You can achieve your goals while creating a competitive edge in your given field. Tune into Illuminating Feng Shui with host Kathleen Zamansky where classical feng shui and Chinese metaphysics work together to help you discover your strengths and use them at the right times. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Technology is moving at a rapid pace with so many innovations, new ideas, and improved applications. One thing that hasn't changed, though, is real estate. But will it? The Future of Real Estate with host Jessica Stoner will share with you the minor adjustments and the major disruptors in the future of real estate. Modern advancements are changing how we work, where we choose to live, and affects how our homes and communities will be built. Homeowners, buyers, sellers, and investors can tune in every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking with Don Don Zhu about automation, outsourcing, and your career. What we need to be thinking about to be successful long-term as our workforce and employment landscape continues to change more rapidly. So we've been talking about outsourcing and automation and how those are impacting the workforce. And now let's talk a little bit about what so what? So what do we do if we're an employee or a contractor? How can we be successful? What is that best way to approach career success given all of these changes? Absolutely, because the, the landscape is as such, and the question, the most important question we're trying to solve is, so what now? And I'd like to approach this question by breaking up the two cohorts, because it's very different to be an employee, a lifetime employee, and also a lifetime contractor, and there's certainly things that you can do to switch from either construct to the other. I would say overall, the answer is people skills, no matter how you look at it, people and communication skills. As an employee, you'll always be impacted by internal politics, no matter what company you work at. And a key thing to understand as you build up your career is the ability that you have to influence your life and your work environment. A lot of people feel that they're constrained and it is what it is, and they feel this sort of like there is no hope kind of attitude because there is so much fear in relation to negotiating with your boss, whether that's 
how many hours you want to work, what projects you want to be on, in what kind of constructs, do you want to work from home a couple days, or your working hours, or, you know, your salary. I don't know if I just mentioned that. Obviously, that's a really tough one. So my first piece of advice is understand that you have a lot more power than you think because the corporation needs you especially if you're somewhat decent at your job or above, you know, they need you to function and to do a good job because without you, they don't have the resources to get that thing done. Even if they do have the resources, it would cost them more to replace you. So number one, realize you have more power than you think. Number two, craft a people strategy to help you on top of your existing technical tasks. So yeah, you have to do something due to the deadline or specific project needs. Great. That's like sort of a given. That's what you're going to work for. You should be doing that. If you're not good at your job, that, that's a whole other story. So I'm assuming that you're somewhat good at your job. That's not going to be the hard part. The hard part is negotiating and getting the recognition and then also parlaying that into future career success. So that's where the politics come in and that's where the people and communication skills come in. So you'll need to be able to learn how to sell yourself on the job, as well as if you're unhappy in your job. If you're unhappy in your job as a full-time employee, it's even more important to learn how to sell yourself, because guess what you'll be doing? Interviewing. So you're going to be having to sell yourself to external forces, or that could be even internally at different companies. I mean, sorry, different divisions of your existing company. So no matter what, you can't escape this crux of people skills. That's when a lot of times it's like, oh, I just have to go and do this certain task. But actually what you're forgetting is it's not really the task that's the most important. It's really how you're perceived in the organization and what future lays ahead here for you. So you, sometimes you have to dictate that future by putting yourself in a position, aligning yourself with people who have the power to do something for your career. So that's for internal, you know, full-time employees. For contractors, what do they need to succeed? Again, I'm not going to focus on technical skills because I'm assuming that you can do the job or you know how to work with, you know, a lot of the outsourced parties, interdisciplinary teams that you will be working with anyways. So it's not a matter, again, of technical uh, capability. It, again, revolves around people skills because as a contractor, you need a network of clients to sustain your lifestyle. If you want to be employed for eight months out of the year, you're going to need a pipeline. So sales skills, communication skills, rebuilding uh, that repeat business is going to be really important to a contractor. And one of the defining attributes of a successful contractor is an ability to maneuver, grow, and increase the depth of their existing relationships or new relationships with clients that need them for a specific project. So again, both of these answers revolve around people and communication skills. And that won't be replaced by technology or outsourcing or automation. Yes, and there's a lot of talk out there in the media, popular media, all of those things about emotional intelligence, which is exactly what you're talking about in terms of relationships and building, building relationships, knowing how to build up that social capital within an organization or across your industry so that you continue to have, have opportunities. Absolutely. And in an existing environment, again, bringing it back to the two different types of people, for employees, you can get by with emotional intelligence. You can get by. But for a contractor, emotional intelligence is not enough because, again, no one's going to give you work. No one's just going to come up and give it to you unless you're like a superstar, one of the five people that can do it. Other than that, you will have competition. So, the need to sell, to aggressively sell, that's another skill set that our existing 
education system does not really teach us is the ability to sell yourself. It goes one step beyond just being pleasant. So that's another skill that I think especially contractors have to, have to learn to be able to see themselves. Whereas in a full-time job, again, you know, as long as you don't do anything crazy and you know, terrible, <laughs> you're, you're okay for the most part. Well, and I would almost go as far to say that not only are we not teaching people how to sell, but we've almost taught you that you're a bad person if you do it. And, you know, there's some truth there that if you're a bad salesperson, you can come across very badly and hurt yourself. But if we vilify sales, um, we're really not doing anyone any good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I first embarked on my sales career, because headhunting is most definitely a sales career. You know, my job was to sell people to companies, then to sell companies to people, ultimately come to a financial agreement in terms of negotiation, salaries, and all that. The first thing that my family said to me when I was like, oh, I'm going to do sales because I really can't see myself doing anything else. Their first words were, well, that is the something that not only is not honorable, it's also something that everybody can do at any given part of their life. So that, that's like what people always think of sales. It's like easy, like anybody can do it. It's not that hard and it's also not that awesome. Why don't you be a lawyer or a doctor instead? You know, especially for me, I'm a first generation Chinese American immigrant. So that's, that's the first thing that our parents will tell us to do is lawyer or doctor. So you're right in that it's, it is promoted to us and it is vilified. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shifts as the skill really is necessary to be successful. Um, so how do people get started learning these new skills that, that are going to be required in the future? Absolutely. There's so many different strategies. Uh, I, I would say the best way I can describe it is based on my own experience. Everyone learns differently. How I learned it was at a young age, I was working. I started working very young. I was waitressing. I was bartending. I was teaching Chinese. I was doing all sorts of little entrepreneurial ventures that gave me exposure to dealing with a large amount of people, even in my very young life. So that helped me really kind of build up the confidence to talk to people at different ages. When I started headhunting, I, re- I knew that this was not going to be enough. My existing exposure was still not enough to make me a top salesperson. So I have to learn from other people who have succeeded in the realm of sales. What better way to do that than to read the books by many, many famous authors who specialize in this category. So a lot of self-help books, a lot of sales books, the top ones would be all the classics, sort of how to make friends and influence people. That was a huge eye-opener for me in terms of my psychology between establishing relationships and building relationships with strangers, essentially. And then the second part was to put those theories into practice almost simultaneously. Before even finishing up on that, the second day, I was already implementing a lot of the knowledge that was kind of consumed by my very money-hungry mind because I wanted to succeed in sales. And so like, I was using those skills right away in the real world to see the results of that. So at age 23, I was talking to people double, potentially even triple my age who were looking for jobs or hiring. Most of these hiring managers were well into their 50s. And so you have to have build up, you have to build up that confidence yourself. You know, unfortunately, there's nothing that can really teach you that. So what do you need to do to build up confidence for yourself? That's a question that ultimately people have to address on their own. Yeah, not, oh boy, that confidence piece is most people's Achilles heel, right? It's the, that 
that piece of it you get through doing and, and also through doing it a way that works for you. And so reading those books and really looking for something that's going to work for you so that you can be successful at it. So thank you for sharing so much um, today, Don Don. And how can people get a hold of you and connect to you and learn from you more? Thank you so much for having me. And absolutely, if anyone is interested to chat further or to read up on some of my articles, I'm a published author on Quora. So you can follow me on Quora or Facebook, pretty much anything, LinkedIn. You can find me very easily. My name is D-A-N-D-A-N, and that's like very, very obvious. I'm probably the only one right now that's doing this. So you can literally go to my website, DonnaGlobal.com. It will have all of my social links. I have a podcast as well. And you can even just send me a quick note just at contact at DonnaGlobal.com. Let me know what you think of our conversation. If you have any follow-up questions that I can address in future podcasts or future articles. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we will look forward to hearing more from you. And the listeners, don't go away anywhere. I'm going to kind of tie this up and wrap a bow around it for you when we get back. And we'll say goodbye to Don Don. And thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again, Marie. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, 
please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were fortunate to have Don Don on the show talking about automation and outsourcing and how how you can really future-proof your career to stay relevant as the world moves and goes faster in its change and what it's looking for in terms of the jobs that are available and the skills that are needed in, in that future work. And so we were talking a little bit about how the technical skills aren't as critical, right? Don Don said that several times, that the technical skills aren't as critical as the people skills. However, when we're thinking about a new job or thinking about where our industry is going, we want to consider both of those things. Where are the technical skills going? What's going to be needed? And how am I going to have the relationships to get there? Perhaps the critical underlying piece here is that you have to know where you're going in the future in terms of what skill sets you want to build on, what interests you are going to be driven by, what motivates you, so that then you can align with the changes that are happening in your industry or in your target industries based on your existing skill set. And found it interesting when we first started talking with Don Don, she was really talking about how there is a knee-jerk reaction by people to go and get a degree and, and perhaps specifically a technology degree. And that may not be the answer. It may not be the answer for you for many reasons because it doesn't fit your skill set, because it doesn't fit your interests, or because by the time you get that degree, one, there may be too much competition for there to be available jobs, or two, there may be a shift and that thing you just went back to get a degree for is no longer really in demand. And this requires us to do a little bit more homework, a little bit more research, pick our head up and, and look around and really think about where is my industry going, what is going to be in demand, and how long does it really take to get there? Realistically, what does that look like? As well as, how does this fit with my existing skills? How can I leverage and move into that? Is it going to be a huge learning curve? Is it going to be worth it? Right? There's all of these factors to consider when we're making those, those choices. And digging deeper than just the news, right? The news may tell you that healthcare is growing. It's out of control. People can't find nurses. Well, here in Northern Colorado, you'd find a pretty different story because we have a lot of nursing programs, not that high of turnover. And so it's actually fairly challenging to get a nursing job here in Northern Colorado, for instance. So when you're thinking about making a change or when you're thinking about future-proofing your career, you want to start with your existing skill sets, looking at those, your existing industry, looking at that. Where are the trends going? And these could be simple steps for you to take, whether it's reading industry magazines 
or or online content from a trusted source or going to industry conferences or perhaps even simply going to your company meetings if there's any kind of company meeting or company newsletter that tells you what's going on and reading those things, paying attention, reading between the lines, really determining where are your existing industry and and company and business going and how do you want to plug into that or if you're interested in changing industries start doing those same things for a different industry so that you can see where that industry is going and how you want to plug in there you're using your existing skill set is so important especially if you're an experienced worker of course understanding what that skill set is and how you might market it in a new industry or as your industry changes and what little pieces of, of information or bits of educational information you might need along the way rather than ending up in a situation where your industry completely disappears and you weren't really paying attention and now you have to figure out how to transition completely. Is there a way that we can stay in touch with what's going on so that we don't have to face that cliff? So what do you want to do? How do your skill sets fit? And then paying attention to your industry. Where is it going incrementally? Can you see and pay attention enough to see that future? You may not be able to hit it straight on the head, but if we are trying and we have our head up and we're looking around we can pay attention to that technical skill piece that we might need as things shift. Then, of course, we spent most of our time talking about the people skills side of things. And if you read anything career-related, this is not news to you, that the skills of the future are people-related. And this is a trend that's been happening for a while. We've talked about it on the show before, that It used to be enough to be that Stanford PhD electrical engineer. You were going to be able to land a job and people weren't going to necessarily care that much if you had great people skills or could work in a team or could talk to customers. And those days are mostly bygone days where now you need to be able to work with teams and talk to customers and have good people skills to even get hired, let alone to advance and and move up and have career stability to feel like you're a valued member of the team and the organization where you're at. So these people skills that we all talk about and we all kind of take them for granted and we think, oh yeah, you know, I can do that. I, I've, I'm good with people. Are you really really taking some time and thinking about your relationships and where are your strengths in developing relationships? What are you good at? When do you tend to develop relationships well? Who do you have good relationships with in your organization or in your industry? And what concrete actions can you take to maintain and to build new relationships? And Realizing that despite all of this wonderful technology that we have, relationships are built in person for the most part, and they're built in the spaces. I was watching a video the other day of 
Simon Sinek, and it was December 28th. He did some interview on some random talk show that looked like it was an internet kind of talk show. There was a very small audience. It's Simon Sinek, and he's talking mostly about millennials. Um, and I don't agree with everything that he was saying about millennials, but don't get caught up into that. What he was talking about is how we learn these social skills. And he was talking about the importance of social skills, which the media would have you think that millennials don't have. And perhaps there's some truth to truth to that. But what he was talking about was the problem with our phones and that a person who is trying to make good relationships or a person who understands the value of relationships for their career will not bring their phone to a meeting. And he talks about the fact that when you take your phone to a meeting, what happens is that you're looking at your phone up until the time that the meeting starts. And then probably even looking at your phone while the meeting is going, which is not the best thing for your career either. But that that time before the meeting and after the meeting is actually even more important for us not to be on our phone because that's the time when we form relationships, when we're going to ask someone how they're doing or how their family is doing or even have the opportunity to learn that they have a family is before we step into that meeting. And this can be virtually or in person, although you have to try harder virtually. But think about that the next time you're on a conference call or the next time that you are stepping into an in-person meeting, your ability to form relationships and the opportunity to do so is passing right before your eyes right there when you have the opportunity to do that kind of small talk before and after a meeting. Now, we don't want to just do small talk, you know, well, great, the weather is great today. We really want to take the opportunity to learn about that person that we're sitting down with, to connect with them, to find something in common, to show that we're concerned for them as a human being. And how is your technology getting in the way of that if you're in an in-person meeting? Or how can you use technology to, to do that if you're virtual? to have that small talk, to make those connections, and to form those relationships. One of the reasons that I think it's very important to do any kind of offline networking that you can, whether that's going to company events, going to meetings, taking the time at meetings to connect with people, going to industry conferences, because we know that even if you are working for a company, you're career stability and the future of your career really lies in your relationships in your industry, not just in your company. Your advancement opportunities there are limited. So build those relationships and take the time and effort to do that offline. Of course, you can use all of these online tools to stay in touch and to maybe kick off a relationship but it's really your ability to get on the phone or get face-to-face with someone and build those relationships that's going to move you forward in your career. And sales is that nice, dirty word today. And you'll even see lots of career articles talking about, you know, don't sell yourself. And, you know, it's really understanding what the essence of sales is. The essence of sales is relationships. And 
the reason that you don't like sales is most likely because someone who didn't understand that tried to sell you on something. So stop vilifying sales and think about how you can use those concepts to build better relationships because that's really what it's about. That's the basis of any good salesperson will tell you that it's true, authentic, genuine relationships, genuine caring about offering value to the the individual on the other side of the table that makes a good salesperson and and that makes a good person in general to always be thinking about how you can add value in a real true way and to be focused on that relationship and building that and understanding what the other person really needs and whether or not you're the person that can offer that to them or connect them to someone who can. So we're going to take another short break and we'll come back here and finish up with some tips for how you can promote yourself in a way that's comfortable for you. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about 
outsourcing automation and the skills that you'll need to survive in this rapidly changing workforce. And so we've talked a little bit about the importance of paying attention to where the technical part of your industry is going so that you have the technical skills that you need and can adjust those as you go and not thinking that a degree or or even a certification in some new field is going to be a golden ticket. It's not. You'll have to have the experience, you'll have to have the skill set and building that up is something that you'll want to think about if you are thinking about making a change. Do your research, know what is needed, what do you, you know, what's really going to get you where you want to go and will that still be relevant when you get there. Then, of course, there's the people skills side of things and being able to build relationships to manage your your own self, to manage your reactions to others. That's that kind of emotional intelligence piece. And then being able to promote yourself, sell yourself, which really starts with understanding what it is that offers value to the other person, what it is that you really want to sell about yourself, what is that focus that you want to promote. Otherwise, you can end up talking about yourself and and maybe even turning people off a little bit while you're not even talking about a skill that is something you want to promote. So getting that focus, understanding who your audience needs to be, and then employing some of these quote-unquote tricks. So one of the books that Don Don talked about that she read was the Dale Carnegie book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and you can read whatever books you want. In fact, I recommend that you read a variety and pick the strategies that work for you. But many of them will promote the art of asking great questions. That selling yourself actually has a lot more to do with understanding exactly what the person needs or what they are looking for before you offer a solution or promote anything about yourself. And the reason is, of course, because then you're actually promoting something that connects with them versus promoting something that they don't care about. Point point here was talking to a salesperson who was trying to sell a product and they weren't listening. And here's how they knew they weren't listening. When they started talking about their product and telling a story about why their product was great, the other person completely shut down and said, that scares me. Well, if you are listening and asking good questions, you can understand the person's real need, and then you can describe your product in a way that's not going to scare them, right? We get in the habit of using certain phrases. So in job seeker world, we might be saying, oh, I'm a great multitasker. Well, that term may actually be a turnoff to the person that you're talking to. But if you ask questions or read the job description or read about the company, we can determine is multitasking a skill that's going to add value to that organization 
Or is it something that perhaps they think is not a good thing? There's all this research out there that says multitasking is bad for you and the company, right? It means that you're producing worse results because you're trying to do multiple things at once. So you've got to know your audience and you do that by asking good questions. So some more tips here, and these come from an article, The Braggart's Dilemma, How to Promote Yourself Without Being a Jerk. And it's on a website called 99U, so the digit 99U, 99 and then the letter U.com, how to promote yourself without being a jerk. So don't promote yourself unprompted. So again, asking questions, find the right time to share whatever information about yourself makes sense. Compare yourself to your own past. So if you're saying that you're better than you used to be, or you know, you're telling your own story about how things have gotten better for you or how you've gotten better at something, or how your your ratings have improved, your sales results have improved, those things We like that you're working on yourself. We like that you're self-improving so you can tell your story that way if it makes sense. Um, Use a wingman, so getting someone else to tell your story. This can be a great thing if you've got quotes, references, things that other people have said about you, about why you're great. Use those. Solicit them from the people that make sense from your inner circle who's not going to be offended that you ask for their their recommendation on LinkedIn. Places that you can get them public are going to be great. Know your audience. So thinking about what is that audience actually looking for? When are they listening? The uh, This article is talking a little bit about, you know, when they're not solely focused on you, you can have a better chance of not feeling boastful or them not thinking you're boastful. Not sure that applies in every situation, but being aware of your audience is a good tenant to think of in any situation. What do they really want to hear? Are you actually adding value? I would say that being aware of your audience is important when you're thinking about promoting yourself in other ways because it doesn't necessarily have to be that you're promoting yourself. If you promote others, you promote your your knowledge of industry trends can be a great way to promote yourself without really promoting yourself because what you're doing is promoting the fact that you're knowledgeable and, and that you're adding value. Of course, what you share has to actually add value, but then you can add value in other ways besides just always promoting yourself. Beware of excessive modesty or false modesty. So this is one of HR people's least favorite things when they ask you about your weakness and you turn a strength into a weakness. You know, oh, well, I'm always the first one to work and sometimes that makes other people mad. That kind of false modesty or, or humble brag is just not going to do much for you. So know what you want to say, know what stories you want to tell, what skills you want people to know about you, and then find ways that that story adds value to the people around you. Find ways that it connects with their needs. And most of all, 
ask great questions, really understand who your audience is before you move into promoting yourself or communicating your value. Hope that you've enjoyed the show today. We will be back next week. Next week, we're going to have a little third year anniversary show and bring in some of our our best stuff from the past three years, our most salient points that we've made so that you can take those and help move your leadership career or job search forward in 2017. You're always welcome to reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we look forward to seeing you right back here next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. Thank you.